0: Welcome to the Obscure Pastor Podcast. I'm Drew Carpenter, your host on the podcast for all kinds of ministers and other followers of Jesus who work in relative obscurity. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Todd Harmon. Todd grew up in Iowa until the age of 15 when he moved with his family to Pennsylvania, where he's been ever since. He went to Lancaster Bible College, where he met Liz, who is now his wife. Todd was a youth pastor at a small church, and the zigzag journey of life landed him at Summit View Church, where he works alongside Dave Fulmer and the rest of the staff and board. Todd is a bit of a techie. Anything that plugs in makes him happy. He has always enjoyed computers, and that plays a major role in his other job as owner of Inland Design, a civil engineering and land surveying company. Todd and Liz enjoy eating out together, good times around the fire, and this swimming pool. Getting together with their adult kids and their grandson is always a highlight. Todd, I want to thank you for being on the Obscure Pastor Podcast today.
1: Oh, you bet! I'm glad to be here. It's that's uh, nice to be here on this format, and and someday we'll get to be face to face again.
0: That's right. We do. We Todd and I get together with a group of other pastors about once a month, and we've been doing that on Zoom for since March. So it's been a little bit weird, but, uh, so you agreed to come on the obscure pastor podcast. Todd. Uh, do you consider yourself I, I, to be obscure?
1: I would imagine. Yeah. i I'm, uh, this is about as public as I've gone right here. Yeah.
0: You're on Facebook and stuff, right? So people know you exist, right? They do
1: know I exist, but I actually have in the last month canceled all of my social media, I, um, which is, I guess, made me more obscure, but uh, it just wasn't feeding my heart and feeding my head well. And so I actually got rid of those. Yeah.
0: Wow. So you just like shut them down or you hopped off completely or I completely shut
1: them off. I actually completely disassembled them and got rid of them. Yep. And, uh, I, uh, there has been some great benefits and I don't have any issue with anyone being on them, obviously, but, uh, but for me, it just wasn't feeding me with goodness. And uh, I have a lot of friends on my Facebook page that like to get very political and
0: uh, angry
1: about that. And so sure. rather than trying to feel them out, I just said, you know what? I don't need this.
0: That's <laughs> all right. I, I I I hear what you're saying for sure. I try not to scroll through the Facebook feed as best as I can and just kind of... If somebody tells me about something, then they can tell me about
1: it. <laughs> yeah, most people are strong enough to handle it, but I'm I just I just not sure I am.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, and 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 it definitely it feeds a feeds a narrative one way or the other, right? And mm-hmm. we, we're supposed to fill Absolutely. our minds with things that are edifying, and that's not always edifying to do that. So yeah, I get it. Um so I you know, you serve as you're, are you an engineer by, I mean, are you in a, technically like a mechanical or a civil engineer? Is that your I, I, per, I am profession? not, but that
1: is my trade. Um, right. I've been I've worked with civil engineers uh, for, oh gosh, since 1992. And uh, I have just, uh, I, I, I've surrounded myself with really good official engineers so that I never had to become one. Okay. Um, yep. But uh, I, I drew up a designer, actually, and uh, AutoCAD was a skill I've had from my father back in the day. And so basically I kind of grew into it from there. And um, back in 2008, uh, my partner who is my business partner now and I uh, both lost our jobs in that little bit of a recession and uh, looked at each other and said, let's start something. So we figured if we could make something succeed in 2008,
0: we could make it succeed through anything. So that's what we did. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. that Good job. <laughs> 12, year, 12 years later,
1: yeah. 12 years later, and we're actually, yeah, we're actually doing quite well. This has been obviously a bumpy year, and sure. uh, and I am one of those companies, though, that uh, that little bit of help that the government gave us there, I kept all my guys employed and was able to uh, weather the storm. So far, weather the storm without laying anybody off and even cutting pay. We've been able to keep everybody's pay and benefits up. We, there's 13 of us, but that's still for those 13. That's pretty significant for them. Sure yeah. is.
0: Well, good deal. Well, yeah, I, you know, I have, you know, on this podcast, I interview folks from all walks and all different kind of stories. And so I, I, I find it pretty inspiring when I talk to somebody that does this by vocationally um, I've been fortunate enough in my career that I've always been able to, before I went into ministry, I was I worked in the business world. But then when I went into ministry, I've always been either full time or part time. Um, and some of the part time was just because the church couldn't afford it at the time, or I sure. was going to seminary or whatever. But I was a much younger man, and I didn't have mortgages and kids in college <laughs> and things like that. And so
1: responsibilities, yeah, yeah, yeah all those fir- responsibilities. My, my first youth pastor, it was part time, but it was the only job I had, so I. Did it full time, just paid right. part time, and sure, and and the idea, my idea in life was to go into ministry full time. I've I've uh, I've tried to force it down God's throat even a couple times, but uh, he's he has saw fit to just take me in different directions, and uh, I finally uh, really accepted the idea of not ever being in full time ministry, but being able to serve on boards, and I still taught and everything like that, but. Had finally kind of accepted that, and, <laughs> and then he said, "Okay, you're finally okay now. I've got something for you that you can mm-hmm. do." And and uh, so it's been it's been quite a, I, I call it the roller coaster, at the bumpy ride, or whatever it might might call that. But uh, yeah, when I was in, I was like a lot of Bible college students. I I, uh, I was like, I'm going to come out of Bible college and I'm going to follow the train right up to wherever I got to go and become full time at whatever that is for me in that path. It was. Youth pastoring at the time, and and uh, I just thought that's what that's what was going to happen, and uh, and it didn't, and it didn't, and I wound up starting my family earlier than I thought, and and so it's, uh, it's it it was yeah, Liz and I were going to take some time and settle in, and came home one day, and she says, well, that's not going to happen, <laughs> and, uh, and we started our family. So yeah, it, it it's been it's been neat to see how God's guided and directed my life. Mm-hmm. as I look back now. But during it, it was a little bit of a struggle at times.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. Well and and just in our interactions that we've had, I could see where you in your vocation, your other vocation, your your job so to speak, in, in the engineering firm, that you take your personality and your giftedness into how you care for your team. And so you're you're a pastor for those those folks that are on your staff, as much as you would be, it's a little bit different. But it's also, you know, you you take some of those skill sets and some of that it pastoral is, leadership into your job. So,
1: and it's it's absolutely something you take in there with you. And and uh, and I get comments on it even from and all of my employees obviously know that I do both things, that I'm bivocational, and they're all really supportive of me, uh, of it, and in fact, a couple of them will even ask me to regurgitate my sermons every once in a while, and uh, and so I get these great opportunities to do that, and we also develop a culture at the company that is very much team-oriented and, uh, and very much plays right along with a lot of the scriptural guidelines, uh, because I have found that through my life with scripture, it's not just... Uh, you know, Bible thumping. It's not just, Oh, God wants to, you know, force his way down our throats. You know, it kind (laughs) of works, right? So we've kind of built a culture that works because Mm. we've built it on those of treating people with biblical principles throughout.
0: Yeah. Mm. Very good. Well, what, what have been some of the challenges you feel like you faced um, as especially as it relates to trying to do both of these jobs? Well, but only having a limited amount of time and a limited resources at either one of those places. What are, what are some of the challenges you're finding?
1: The largest challenge challenge is probably scheduling. Uh, and, and, and it's, it doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, it's tough. If something critical happens at church, which, you know, we all know if you're, if you're in part-time, full-time, or even volunteer work at church where you're taking care of people or you're pastoring people, things happen and they happen suddenly. And so it, whether it be someone, you know, even having a, a baby prematurely or someone, uh, heaven forbid, someone passing away uh, unex- unexpectedly or, or a crisis that hits somebody that they need you there. They need you to be there. They need you to. And at the same time, a deadline hits it at the other job. Uh, that's probably the most difficult part sometimes is dealing with it, those, those kind of issues uh, in terms of scheduling. And, and the other thing is it wears you out wearing both hats is exhausting at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, when yeah, you know, when I have a full church week and I have a full inland week, uh, it would be probably different if I just worked at inland, but owning the company and actually, you know, taking, uh, you're right. My employees are like people in my church. I care for them. I am involved in their lives. They, we have dinner together. There's things that you know that's it's i know their families you know i know who they all are and so when things happen to them it's it's very similar for me and so sometimes having to prioritize some of those things is is a little bit difficult and it takes your heart all over the place and so uh, that would probably be the most difficult but it's not insurmountable <laughs> it's you know it's it's workable especially when you have gracious people on both ends
0: mm-hmm. that's good and you have a guy that you work with that um you guys compliment each other quite well in, in, uh, in many ways. So that, that, that helps too, I'm sure.
1: It's huge yeah. in it, both sides. In fact, uh, my, my partner in business, his name is Chuck and, and Chuck is a, is, is a, is a, is a professional engineer and uh, just one of the most personable guys out there and him and I are very good friends. And so he supports me extremely well there. And then on the church side of things, Dave Fulmer and I have been, we've been best friends for 10 years now hmm. and uh, and so that's really helped and so when this came up a few years ago that the possibility of us pastoring together like this we both were in a position in our life where taking on a full-time pastorate just wasn't wasn't really what we it wasn't in the schedule it also just wasn't what we felt god was calling us to and so the, this kind of thing just kind of started growing that we ought to apply for this job. And so we actually applied for the job as one person. Mm. And we, we always make the joke that between us, we do have a full brain. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, it's, so we applied, we kind of applied for the job as one person and uh, and tried to, tried to do it that way and, uh so we were up against other guys who were applying for the job even though we had this advantage of knowing everybody and mm-hmm. and uh and it still wasn't a, it wasn't a slam dunk decision they uh going out there and doing the co-pastoring and and becoming you know 3 3 years ago there was only a few churches that in you know around here that were doing that as that it's mm-hmm. but i look at it and i go you know it works because of who we are it works mm-hmm. because when i do have a crisis at inland Dave's right there to, Hey, I got this. Don't worry about it. And Mm -hmm. and that's why it works.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Tim and I, you're talking about those, those co-pastor situations, Tim and I at our church, that's how we function. Yes. That was Uh, a new, that was a new, that was a new model for Koinos community church as well. And for the most part it works, you know, there's obviously there's, it's not, perfect, but I don't know that there's any perfect church hierarchy. I mean, you could probably ask a Presbyterian about that. They might be telling something different, but... (laughs) No offense to my Presbyterian brothers and sisters (laughs) at all. I just had to pick something. You had to pick somebody. That's right. right. Well, tell me this. When things are rough, or when you're stretched for time, or when you feel like you don't have enough You feel like you have too many balls in the air. What what's something that inspires you, centers you, kind of brings you back to the person you want to be?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and uh, and I and it's it's I have been on a quest my whole life to make that one thing that I could just count on. And and God is obviously where we go. And I mean, I go to my knees and I have learned that that's the first place I go. But but when you ask that question, it's kind of those, where are those support foundations? And uh, I have found in my life, because my mind works this way, that depending upon the situation, that depends on where I go. And sometimes as I get on my knees, God sends me to different places and and sometimes they're completely out out of the blue and, and other times they're they're those go-to places. Obviously my wife is a go-to place. Uh, you know, I can collapse and be I can be someone in front of her that I'm not in front of anyone else. You know, I can I can, you know, curl up in a ball and cry in the corner and she won't walk away from. Me. <laughs> so it's, so there's that there's those things and then god provides these these other things for instance our group that we get together with uh once a month that you know i make it to about once every two months and uh that is a huge thing for me to to talk to other other pastors who are dealing with people who are who are are working through a lot of these things um and, uh, and and sometimes god will lead me to some of those meetings even again kicking and screaming we had a one of the pastoral meetings we had uh, with Brian uh, uh, about a month ago. And, and uh, I said, I told him, I'd, yeah, I'll be there. And, uh, but when the time came, I was like, I have 12 other things I could be doing right now. That became a very, became one of those quiet streams, restoring my soul moments that David talked about in Psalm 23. And, uh, and so sometimes they creep up on me. And so I, I go to Dave a lot uh i even go to chuck my other partner quite a bit my wife and uh and, and talking in relationships is the place i go and uh, even when it comes to my relationship with god at, at that point when i drop to my knees it's just uh it's a and i've learned to pray ugly uh, people talk about crying ugly sometimes i pray ugly and that's that's kind of where it goes yeah
0: what 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 is that Unp- unpack that for me a little bit what do you unpack that for you Some crying <laughs> ugly or praying ugly
1: yeah, well, you know, crying ugly is that moment where you're just so upset. You don't even care what you look like. You're just crying ugly and, and right. you know, the faces that you make and whatever. And praying ugly, when I unpack that, I, I look at some of the Psalms David has, and sometimes he, he just goes into those distraught moments. And that's where, have you left me altogether, God? Is, mm-hmm. have, have, did I miss the boat completely here? And you just, you just scream out and, and, and kind of bounce off of God's chest things that you normally wouldn't say in church gotcha. as, as as you're praying, and you're just, God, am I completely missing the boat here because I just don't feel you're here at all, mm. and, uh, and so ugly
0: praying. Gotcha. <laughs> Calling down curses on your enemies and things like that. That's exactly it. It's, yes. <laughs> we don't have enemies what are you talking about <laughs> that's right <laughs> everybody loves todd
1: <laughs> oh gosh yeah it's funny though uh, coming into the pastorate you you actually find out you do have enemies
0: <laughs> oh yeah that happens it's weird real and imagined right that's
1: right oh that, mm. you have a very good point yes yeah
0: talk to me about we you just got off all of your social media so that's that kind of becomes obscure because social media is kind of one of those things where people are, they kind of can curate their lives and put, put something out there that may or may not reflect their day-to-day lives. And usually it doesn't reflect their (laughs) day-to-day lives. Right. What advice do you have for other men and women who maybe they serve by vocationally, maybe they're the lead pastor at some big church or I don't know if they're lead pastor at some big church, they're probably not all that obscure. Although I've talked to a few folks that (laughs) consider themselves obscure, even if they're in front of a thousand people each week, what advice would you give for other ministers that are like you and me that do their work, commute to other jobs and do other things? What advice do you give for them where it's like, who's, does anybody even notice the stuff that I'm doing here?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's you, you know, and 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 finding friendships is a huge spot for that because you get people who who kind of encourage that, and 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 but even, but ironically, even in those sometimes, and uh, Dave and I actually went out and the other day just for some fun, we actually went out uh, golfing the other day, and uh, on the second hole, basically we turned to each other and said almost that question: Is what we're doing doing anything? Is it making any difference? Are are there is you know are, are are we really succeeding in what God has called us to do, and are we just missing missing it and uh, and so we talked about that for a little bit, which plays into that question as to where do you where do you draw from and where where does that go and and it's it's been a, such a journey going through this with someone and uh, and we go to scripture. Uh, we've almost made it a competition to see who can stop scripture the other one, which I lose all the time because <laughs> is like a, a sponge when it comes to that stuff. But, uh, but we, we do, we, we, we constantly go to scripture and we look at what some of these and some of these examples that went before us. And, you know, you think about, uh, the, the, the disciples even, and some of the lives that they led and, and, uh if you didn't have them in the Bible, we wouldn't even know who those guys are. And, and so they would have been very obscure and yet went through and had a very prolific influence in the world and yet died martyrs death, all but one. Mm. And, uh, and, and so when you look at our lives, it's, it's important for me uh, when I'm walking this, to maintain an eternal perspective. And what I mean by that is is to maintain the fact that this is not my home, uh, that I really need to embrace the idea that when I became a Christian, when I believed that Jesus was it and he, he held in his life my very own, and he, his blood forgave my sins so that I could make right with God. I gained a home that wasn't this one. And so because of that, whatever happens to me in this one, I need to have that perspective. And so when you ask that question, it's that that perspective is where I go quite a bit. And the advice that I give to folks is meditate on that perspective. Put yourself in a place and believe it. Um, I think far too often uh, in the Christian church, especially in our culture, the way that we do things, we we talk about them and we we love our tweetable moments, you know. And you you've probably had them where something comes out of your mouth and you're just like, "Whoa, that was worded really well," and, uh,
0: mm, uh, we, and that, we that doesn't happen to do me we, very uh, often.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it happened more to me, but uh, but it doesn't. But when you get into those and, and we talk about them and then people do become uh, you know, the Andy Stanleys of the world who are wonderful. I mean, the, the stuff I've learned from those guys is great. But at the end of the day, I, can, I, I, I need to be able to look down at my life and realize that no matter what happens to me, I can find encouragement in the fact that this is not my home. God has given me a purpose here and whether I'm understanding it right now or not, I can move on knowing that at some point I get to go to my real home and I get to be with my real family and, uh, and I get to, and I, and I get to have no more pain and uh, and no more tears and whatever that's going to look like, that's going to happen. And I need to really believe. And that's, that's where, that's the advice I give. believe, I think far off too often we say we believe, we maybe don't. <laughs> so that's, that's the advice I give out of quite a bit, actually, is do you really believe that about yourself?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a good, I think you make a good point. I think the, our perspective of what, what is real, you know, what, what Christ portrays as being real is far different from our limited view of what's happening to us right now right? Oh yeah. So, so our circumstances that we're in or the things that are happening to us right now. Yes. There's a certain level of reality there, but there's also something going, be- going on behind that, right? The kingdom is always at work and they're always moving forward and we, just, we, we don't always see it. You know, we don't know I, I because love we've got era. our focus on whatever, whatever's troubling us or our kids or what, or, yeah, our employees or people that are working with yeah. us. And so, yeah, it's I not that's easy good. to
1: not look at those things. Yeah. No, those things absolutely. That are right in front of us. Yeah.
0: But I think yeah, it goes them. back to those, those scripture passages and, you know, we're sojourners, right? This is, this is a, yeah. this is important, but it's not the only thing.
1: Yeah. It's not that I don't have to take care of those things in minutia, but I can take care of those things bathed in the, in the fact that, that, uh, we're going back to Psalm 23 that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm-hmm. And when I can do that, maybe I can handle those things a little bit easier. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we got pretty serious there for a second. So I'm going to bring a, bring us back to, <laughs> uh, as, as we close out, I, I have three questions I ask, and I've, yes. I've yet to come out with a, a name for these three questions, but they happen every time. So unless I really screw up and they don't happen, but pretty much every time. Cause it's important to me. Who's your favorite musical artist?
1: Wow. That's great. <laughs> as eclectic as I am. And, and, uh, I, Oh man, I love you too. <laughs> All
0: right. That's good. Can
1: I be embarrassed and say that I love you too? Oh I, no,
0: you're, you're, no. Okay, you're, yeah. you're in good company. I'm sure. I think they're pretty successful. <laughs>
1: They are. And, uh, I just, uh, I've always enjoyed them. And, you know, you try to come up with your good Christian answer to that, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> nobody but, uh, does. But when I, when I, I, I really enjoy uh, their music. I, I actually enjoy listening to Bono talk and I have a, a funny story is behind that. If you'll let me tell, if I can Absolutely. Tell it. Yeah,
0: I want to. I actually, I
1: actually grew up with my, my, one of my dad's best friends growing up in Iowa uh, his name was Doug Filkins. He was a pastor of our church. And my dad and him got along. He discipled my father. Well, his son's name is Zach Filkins. And if anybody out there has heard of Zach Filkins, kudos to you. But uh, he he's he would be better known if I just told you he was the guitar player for One Republic. And so I, I have not talked to Zach since we were little kids. So I didn't really keep a relationship with him or anything like that. But my dad and his dad are still very good friends and so they uh, went to the concert one time and my dad asked Zach how do you maintain your Christian life in this how do you do that and when you're in the music world and you're touring and all that and, and Zach says to my dad and this cracked my dad up well I was talking to Bono yesterday <laughs> my, dad said, my dad said really you're just going to say that like it means oh yeah I was just talking to Bono yesterday <laughs> huh.
0: That's awesome,
1: and uh, I—that's I, uh, absolutely hilar- uh, hilarious to me. That, that. Yeah, you know, when you get into that world, that's just how it is. Yeah, don't you yeah. talk to Pono every day?
0: Yeah, right, <laughs> all the time. Have you seen them in concert?
1: I haven't. I almost feel embarrassed. My daughter got to go, and uh, they got to go backstage and and uh, do the whole thing. She got pictures with the whole band, and and she went with my mom and dad. So my mom and dad were were champion grandparents there for a night. Yeah,
0: that is pretty awesome. Very cool. Well, yeah, yeah. Like I said, you're in good company. Lots of people like you too, and yeah. for good. I would say for good reason. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so I'm a, I, I lived in Houston for a good long time, and I'm a, I, I am an Astros fan. I don't know if I'm an Astros fan yes. anymore because they apparently oh, were cheating tough. for a while. I know. Uh, how, how did you end up being an Astros fan? I, yeah, there is I'm remembering there. that, correct, right? <laughs> you are. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I love the Astros, and I always have uh, since I was a little kid. When I was nine, uh, I had a, my dad's brother, my uncle. He uh, moved to Texas for a little bit. And uh, when he came back, um, he just had these quirky sayings about him. And, uh, and I just thought he was the coolest guy in the world because he's my uncle. And so I just started looking at the things that he was doing in Texas and found out that they had a baseball team. And I grew up in Iowa where the closest thing we had to a baseball team was either the Cardinals or the Cubs, four hours away. So we really rarely got to a game. And, and I wanted to rebel against the Cardinals because my dad – loves the Cardinals. And, uh, and then, and so I, uh, I decided I'm going to become a Houston Astros and a Houston Oilers fan. And so at age nine, I just became a fan and so much so that when they would come play the Cardinals, because back then they were in the national league, um, I would uh, make my dad drive me four
0: hours to go watch the game.
1: (laughs) So, So I had a great time and that's how I became an Astros fan. And then all through the lean years where they didn't win nothing, Right. I uh, I maintained it, and then the Oilers. Uh, I actually uh, stopped, obviously, being an Oilers fan when they left uh, Houston and became the Texans, and, or became the uh, uh, Titans, whoever. The Titans,
0: the Astros, and Oilers will count as our something. People, a lot of people might not know about you, I guess. So. There you go. I like it. Oh, and the last one is. Yeah, we were almost done with this. So um, we were.
1: We were right there.
0: We were so close. <laughs> Um how do people find you if you want to be found? Like do you, you still have a website presence for your church and stuff? We do.
1: Yeah, we're at uh Summit View Summitview Bic dot org is our is our website for the church, and uh, all of our information's on there. Uh, I have my phone number, obviously, and then uh, uh, I also have a website, obviously, for my business, EmilyDesign.net, as well. Although I don't know if my contact information's on that one, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you don't want to so be that, bothered,
0: like, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, don't be bothered on that one. Well, I, we have our general that way. I don't. They don't have to personalize it if they're, if they're just throwing me some hate. But uh, sure, guys. Gotcha. But yeah, the um, the yeah the church website and uh, I'm using my phone to contact and that's it. It is kind of weird. There is uh, and I warned that there were, there were several people who would contact me on Facebook and I warned them that I was going to be getting rid of that. So yeah, that's my phone is kind of where I connect with folks now.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's okay.
1: Makes like me it. even more anonymous.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all good. Do you have anything you want to say before we end our session here or session I, like I'm a, a therapist session. or something that's, that's right. Weird.
1: I feel so much better now, Drew. Thank you. <laughs>
0: uh no,
1: this was wonderful. I really love that you do this. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to listening to some other ones and
0: and uh yeah, this this is good. This is good. So thank you thank you for having me on. I appreciate well, cool. that. I uh, appreciate you coming on, man. You have a great rest of your day and enjoy uh some sunshine. Got some sunshine. I will, today. you too. It's good. You Thanks, too, man. man. Talk to you later. Bye. You've been listening to the Obscure Pastor Podcast. If you like the podcast, share it with a friend. Subscribe today and sign up at obscurepastor.com for my brief weekly e-letter. It's a dose of encouragement and inspiration. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew Carpenter. So let's be friends.